David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, 9.43 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 6th of May, 2019. This is episode 93 of Bitcoin and, and is boring. It's boring out there, guys. It's 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 pretty boring, with the exception of some dinosaurs stomping around making noise. We'll get to that. We'll get to Marty's bent. Uh, we'll do uh, daily train wrecked, and you can probably already imagine what the hell it is that I've picked. Um, again, dinosaurs. I'll just say that. Uh, but let's get into your morning roundup with uh, a message from Gator underscore Bitcoin, who's reminding us that Bitcoin is up over 80% in 4.5 months. It has already exploded, whether anyone on here wants to acknowledge that or not. And we, uh, I, the public service announcement from Gator Bitcoin, dudes. Yeah. Okay. Just everybody calm down. We got to calm down because we have lunatics like PepsiCo and their blockchain trial brings 28% boost in supply chain efficiency. This is from Coindesk and Yogita Khatri. Food and beverage giant PepsiCo has conducted a blockchain trial. What the hell is a blockchain trial? (laughs) Anyway, that brought uh, a 28% boost in their supply chain efficiency. Dubbed Project Proton, the trial set out to examine if blockchain could address industry challenges in programmatic advertising. God, this is is getting bad already. PepsiCo's project partner and media agency Mindshare announced the news Monday, saying that it assisted in the trial, which carried out a programmatic end-to-end supply chain reconciliation using Zalika's blockchain platform, that's Z-I-L-L-I-Q-A. The effort compared a control budget with one for the test to gauge the effectiveness of the technology. Zalika's smart contracts were further used to automate the programmatic supply chain, Mindshare said, explaining, quote, these smart contracts reconcile impressions that are delivered from multiple data sources with payments facilitated using an internal native alliance token, all in near real time, resulting in major efficiency gains and complete transparency for the brand owners. End quote. The results indicated efficiency increases in terms of cost for viewable impressions in running the campaign through smart contracts versus one without, according to Mindshare. Other partners in the project included online advertising company Rubicon, a programmatic uh, a programmatic marketing technology firm MediaMath, and media firm Integral Ad Science. The trial was conducted in March in the Asia-Pacific region. The partners now plan to run a second phase with the addition of payments to publishers and more performance metrics. 
Farida Shaksir, PepsiCo's director of consumer engagement for the Asia, Middle East, and North Africa regions, said, quote, the results are encouraging and we plan to run a few more campaigns under different conditions to verify more hypotheses and measure overall impact. And the reason I'm stumbling all over this is I'm still trying to figure out where supply chain fits in this. My mind, a manufacturing <clears throat> uh, facility like PepsiCo, because it is just a manufacturing facility, my supply chain would be uh, buying my uh, high fructose corn syrup, uh, getting my my uh, chemicals in for flavoring, uh, my CO2 for carbonating water, my, my water filters for, for water conditioning. Uh, that's what what supply chain means to me. So I'm, I'm a bit confused as to the usage of supply chain when it comes to advertising and media. So, um, but that's probably because I didn't, didn't get a degree in, in marketing and, and ads. Okay. So, you know, don't, don't, don't rip me up too hard on that. But again, I, I think this is a, I, I, <clears throat> I don't know. It's just the use of, of the, of the term um, terms of blockchain and supply chain, you know, in this, I almost want to say you keep using these words and I do not think they mean what you think they mean. It, that that's the first thing that comes to mind. So whatever, I guess we'll just keep looking at what PepsiCo's doing to try to figure out what, what they think it is that they are doing. Um, oh God. Okay. Let's see here. Hold on for a sec. All right. Fidelity will offer cryptocurrency trading within a few weeks. This is out of Bloomberg. Matthew Lysing, May 6, 2019 at 3 a.m. Central Daylight Time. Matthew says, Fidelity Investments, which began a custody service to store Bitcoin earlier this year, will buy and sell the world's most popular digital asset for institutional customers within a few weeks. According to a person familiar with the matter, the Boston-based firm, one of the largest asset managers in the world, created Fidelity Digital Assets in October in a bet that Wall Street's nascent appetite for trading and safeguarding digital currencies will grow. It also puts Fidelity a step ahead of its top competitors that have mostly stayed on the sidelines so far. The firm said in October that it would offer over-the-counter trade execution and order routing for Bitcoin early this year. Fidelity would join brokerages E-Trade Financial Corp. <clears throat> and Robinhood in offering cryptocurrency trading to clients, though Fidelity is only targeting institutional customers and not retail investors like E-Trade and Robinhood, said the person familiar with the matter, who asked not to be named discussing private matters. A study released by Fidelity on May the 2nd found that 47% of institutional investors think digital assets are worth investing in. Quote, we currently have a select set of clients we're supporting on our platform, Fidelity spokeswoman Arlene Roberts said in an email. We will continue to roll out our services over the coming weeks and months based on our clients' needs, jurisdictions, and other factors. Currently, our service offering is focused on Bitcoin. At least they have their shit together. According to the survey, which questioned 441 institutional investors from November to February, 72% prefer to buy investment products that hold digital assets while 57% choose to buy them directly. The hurdle to make crypto appeal 
to more mainstream investors is that it continues to be plagued with fraud, theft, and regulatory infractions. Stop shitcoining. The latest case involves a New York Attorney General <clears throat> accusing New York Attorney's General accusing Bitfinex, one of the largest Bitcoin exchanges, of hiding the loss of about eight hundred and fifty million dollars U.S. in client and corporate cash. Vancouver-based Quadriga FinTech Solutions Corp., which is going through bankruptcy in Canada, owes one hundred and fifteen thousand clients about one hundred and ninety-three million in cryptocurrencies and cash after the death of founder Jerry Cotton last year. Bitcoin has jumped by more than 50% this year, extending the wild price swings that have attracted many individual investors to the mostly unregulated coin. The original digital currency gained widespread notoriety when it surged 1,400% in 2017 before tumbling 74% last year. And that's, yeah, that's going to do it for that. So Fidelity is going to, is, has at least given us some sort of timetable as to when it's going to start doing its thing. And, you know, it's probably not a surprise that it won't be for retail. Um, Cause that I, I can just see that being way, way fraught with, with difficulty. So anyway, there, there is that. And uh, let's see here. Oh God. Okay. Here's the first dinosaur. Uh, thing we'll get into. This is out of Cointelegraph.com. Berkshire Hathaway CEO Warren Buffett offers fresh metaphor for Bitcoin as a seashell. <laughs> this is from uh, from Marie Huyet, <clears throat> or that may be pronounced Huyet. Not sure. Outspoken crypto critic and Berkshire Hathaway CEO Warren Buffett has again derided Bitcoin. BTC. They actually put that in there. B, they say Bitcoin and then parentheses BTC. Good on you guys. Good on you. For its purported lack of real use value, likening the coin to a seashell that just sits there. <laughs> this guy. Buffett used this latest cryptocurrency metaphor during a press meeting ahead of the Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholders meeting in Omaha, Nebraska, CNBC reported on May 4th. The CEO who also serves as chairman of the $248 billion revenue multinational holding conglomerate Berkshire Hathaway, is well known for his scathing stance toward cryptocurrencies, memorably characterizing Bitcoin as probably rat poison squared during last year's shareholder meeting. In his latest remarks, Buffett claimed, quote, it doesn't do anything. It just sits there. It's like a seashell or something. And that is not an investment to me. Mm. 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 To further illustrate his view of the coin as merely a speculative asset, Buffett reportedly stated, quote, I'll tear off a button here. What I'll have here is a little token. I'll offer it to you for $1,000, and I'll see if I can get the price up to 2000 by the end of the day. But the button has one use, and it's a very limited use in, quote, while reserving his ritual opprobrium, sorry guys, opprobrium toward Bitcoin, Buffett, who has earned the moniker of the Oracle of Omaha for his ostensibly astute investment picks, did offer more positive remarks for blockchain technology. (laughs) It's blockchain, not Bitcoin people. Uh, He is reported to have acknowledged its promise stating that, quote, blockchain is very big, but it didn't need Bitcoin. JP Morgan, of course, came out with their own cryptocurrency, end quote. 
In a further report on Buffett's latest remarks, Bloomberg cites the business magnate as saying that the speculative fervor around Bitcoin reminds him reminds him of watching gamblers at Vegas. Buffett reportedly professed that the phenomenon broadly assures him that he can make a profit in a society where people continue to speculate despite knowing they are likely to lose. While Buffett's vice chairman, Charlie Munger, has echoed the CEO's opinion with his own asides, dismissing the Bitcoin market and purported FOMO which dri- that drives it as being akin to trading turds, their self-proclaimed disciple, Chamath, can't pronounce his name at all, sorry, has disparaged their hardline stance. Palihaptia, I guess is how you pronounce it, the founder and CEO of VC firm Social Capital, Capital argued in May 2018 that, quote, technology is not in his circle of competence in reference to Buffett and that both chairmen are mistaken in their aversion to cryptocurrency innovation. Yeah, that'd do it. Dinosaurs have a a very limited eyesight. Um, and they're, you know, they're running around looking at larger things and running across the small and tiny creatures of the land that it just doesn't really, I I guess it doesn't really impact them and they just see it as, as irritations, but yeah, we'll get into more dinosaurs next with Charlie Munger. Legendary investors Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger have never been fans of Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency that once hit 20,000 and became the talk of the family dinner table in late 2017. This is out of uh, Yahoo Finance. With Bitcoin's price having crashed to about one third of its heyday high, Buffett and Munger joked around the once red hot investment during the the 2019 Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting on Saturday. Munger told the audience that he was invited to a happy hour by Bitcoin investors. Quote, I wondered what they have been doing in their happy hour, and I finally figured it out. They celebrate the life and work of Judas Iscariot. This almost made the daily train wreck right there, man. But yeah, no, I got a better one for you. <clears throat> According to Christian history, the apostles The apostle Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. He revealed the identity of Jesus by kissing him on the cheek in front of soldiers who then arrested him. Buffett's longtime business partner once described the frenzy over Bitcoin as, quote, someone like someone else is trading turds and you decide I, I can't be left out. End quote. Buffett also weighed in on the crypto craze, sharing a story about his honeymoon in Las Vegas in 1952, when he found himself surrounded by people who came from thousands of miles away to gamble. They came to do something that every damn one of them knew was mathematically dumb, recalled Buffett. And I told Susie, we're going to make a lot of money. Buffett says Bitcoin reminds him of that feeling way back when. He sees investing in Bitcoin as a gamble based on speculation and not an investment. However, Buffett holds a more open attitude towards blockchain technology. And yeah, he's this is the it ends this Yahoo Finance ends their article the same way that the other one did with blockchain, not Bitcoin, and what a load of horse shit that is, okay? For all manner of reasons. And uh, more horseshit on the horizon coming out of CCN.com. U.S. court orders Craig Wright to reveal 2013 Bitcoin stash in $10 billion U.S. Satoshi suit. 
This is far from Mark Emmem. Uh, the self-proclaimed Satoshi Nakamoto Craig Wright will now have to provide a list of all the public addresses of the Bitcoin he held as of December 31st, 2013, per United States Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt. <clears throat> Wright will produce the relevant Bitcoin addresses on or before May 15th, 2019. Wright had objected to the plaintiffs seeking to have him list the public Bitcoin the, the Bitcoin public addresses by filing a motion. The motion had argued that would it, that it would have been unduly burdensome to produce a full list of his Bitcoin holdings. U.S. Magistrate Judge Reinhardt has now struck down that motion, finding it to be unsupported by facts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Woo! This just gets better and better all the time. Um, the newest development in case number 18 CIV 8176 is part of the discovery process in a lawsuit in which the self-styled Satoshi Nakamoto is accused of misappropriating the fortune of his partner, Dave Kleeman, who passed away in 2013. The lawsuit was filed last year in February. In 2011, Kleeman and Wright had partnered to set up a Bitcoin mining firm known as W&K Info Defense Research LLC. Kleeman's estate alleges that the self-declared Satoshi Nakamoto conspired to claim the ownership of the Bitcoins held by Dave. Depending on the arrangement, <clears throat> Wright either defrauded Kleeman of half or all of the 1.1 million Bitcoin mined by W&K. Dave's brother Ira Kleeman is the lead plaintiff and the personal representative to the deceased estate. Besides giving... <clears throat> giving the Bitcoin addresses, Wright must also identify all of the Bitcoin that he transferred to Tulip Trust in 2011. Tulip Trust, a blind trust, was set up in the same year that the transfers were made. With regards to the blind trust, Wright will also be required to produce documents that relate to it. Wright must also identify the blind trust trustees, both current and former, as well as its beneficiaries. U.S. Magistrate Judge Reinhardt has ordered that this must be done on or before May 8th. God, that's in, that's on Wednesday. On or before May 9th, Wright will also be required to produce documents detailing how the blind trust was formed, administered, and operated. The self-declared Satoshi Nakamoto, I wish they'd stop saying that, will also be required to state under oath how the Bitcoin were how the Bitcoins uh, were moved to the blind trust. Kleeman's family claims that Dave never ceded ownership of WK. Last month, Wright produced an email intended to negate this, but it was found to be fraudulent. Of course, because he's a fraud. The self-styled Satoshi not stop saying that. The self-styled asshole later withdrew it as evidence, right? Has also tried to have the lawsuit dismissed on various occasions. <laughs> no, he hadn't. Yeah, no. I have I I'm gonna uh, stop right here for just a second, just to say that I now am fully I fully now believe that Ira Kleeman is is working with Craig Wright on this. And I think in the end, this is going to go very poorly for not only Craig, but it's, I think Ira is going to find himself in a heap, a heap of trouble. Uh, I, I get the feeling this is going to just has misrepresentation written all over it. And I think Judge, Judge Reinhardt is getting kind of sick of this shit because that's, I mean, the fact that he introduced a fraudulent email and then had that piece of evidence removed by itself should be 
you shouldn't need anything else to piss a judge off in a United States court than that. And I get the feeling Judge Reinhardt has is pretty much at the end of his freaking patience with this idiot. All right, so continuing on. <clears throat> the blind trust, no, oh, wait, hold on. This is, uh, bleh, bleh. Additionally, the discovery process could also serve to either build or destroy theories concerning the identity of Satoshi Nakamoto. This is especially so... <clears throat> this is especially so given that notable personalities in the cryptocurrency space have made educated guesses, hinting that Dave Kleeman could have been the real Bitcoin creator. This includes Jeff Garzik, one of the leading early Bitcoin developers. So that's going to do it for that one. But my God, it's just, it, this is such a mess. I mean, he is just, he's made a hell of a bed for him to sleep in is all I can really say. Um, okay. Now this doesn't necessarily have something to do with Bitcoin, but this is Bitcoin. And so, and Chinese banks lower daily limit of USD withdrawals to $3,000 <laughs> as, as of four thirty this morning. Uh, Chinese banks have lowered the amount of U.S. dollars people can withdraw daily from $5,000 to $3,000, South China Morning Post reports. The increased scrutiny may be linked to the United States-China trade war. Mm -hmm. Before last year's changes, people can make daily withdrawals of $5,000 without representing a required proof of need, such as plane ticket or overseas travel. Although people are legally allowed to withdraw up to $50,000 a year, banks have been instructed to compile watch lists of customers who make withdrawals often. According to the SCMP, the instructions come from China's central bank, People's Bank of China. The reason, oh, sorry, quote, the reason banks are so nervous is that China wants to closely monitor capital outflow against the backdrop of a prolonged trade war, said Iris Pang, ING's Greater China Economist. And uh, if if you don't know, apparently Trump uh, double tapped his uh, his tweet button last night or the or the day before and apparently within two tweets threatened China with a massive escalation of the trade war. I don't know. I don't care. I just don't. I can't. I I I guess I should, but I don't. Whatever. But the reason I bring this up is this this whole notion of capital controls is just getting out of hand. Uh it's uh and we'll get into some more of that here later. But in in either event you know, being able to tell your customers how much money they can withdraw should be your siren song to get the hell out of the fiat system or or at least get your hooks into another system. Right? I'm not saying go out and sell all your shit and, and, and convert all your dollars to Bitcoin um, because that would be that would probably not be the best advice in the world. OK, um, I, I especially especially after seeing what I saw in 2017 with people more taking like their fully paid house and mortgaging it and then buying a Litecoin with it was one story. Somebody actually bought, you know, did the proper thing and brought, bought Bitcoin, but both of them basically lost big time. And, you know, there was a whole bunch of suicide hotline numbers posted in, in Reddit forums all, across the board on all manner of cryptocurrencies because people were doing stupid shit like that. Just because we like Bitcoin doesn't mean that you should be stupid. Don't be stupid. 
sorry, don't do that. But this is yet another warning sign of why it is that you need to learn about the technology at least. You don't even have to buy it, but don't dismiss it because you're if you if you have no other hooks into any other system, if the system we currently are in doesn't crumble but turns into this horrific monster that tells you what you can buy, how much of it you can buy, and when you can buy it, um, then you won't have an escape route. If you can, if you just learn about it, spend fifty bucks, take a hundred bucks, pretend you're going to throw it out the window, and go get the Cash App, buy Bitcoin, and learn how to use it. With only a hundred bucks, you could actually do this whole thing with fifty bucks, right? Just at least try to learn about it. Okay. Don't dismiss it. Don't think it's going to go away because the, the twin dinosaurs, Munger and Buffett think that it doesn't have any merit because I guarantee you when they were young, they were looking at the old timers saying the exact same shit did not learn their freaking lesson. So there's that China is putting the, putting the screws to people on their banks. Uh, what else we got here? I already did that one. Okay. Let's see here. Oh yeah. Um, I dream of genie or I dream of, sorry, I dream of gems has been temporarily suspended. That's at I dream of gems. Um, I'm going to give you, she has an alter, uh, uh, an alt account and it is at what, what ev one four zero five six nine eight six. I know you guys aren't going to be able to do that. But uh, darkness underscore crypto has tweeted that out. So if you get to your, you know, get to your Twitter um, and you want to, if, if you can't find I Dream of Gems, and if you weren't following I Dream of Gems, what the hell are you doing with your life, dude? <laughs> Seriously, man, she's, she's great. Um, hopefully she will get her account back. Anyway, what else is up here? Uh, oh, Yeah. I am nomad has a statement here on a tweet says this one address accounts for over 50% of BCH transactions in the last month. So one address was responsible for half of the transaction volume for all of BCH last month. Wow. I mean, just think about that. That's just, ugh. So yeah, oh, anyway, that, that's going to do it for your morning roundup. Vital Statistics has Bitcoin at 5,717 on average. The high is going to be over at, uh, let's see, Bitfinex has got it at 6,028. The low side is going to be over at GDAX at 5,650. Uh, 350,000 transactions were performed in the last 24 hours, giving us about 14,500 transactions per hour on average. 825,000 BTC were sent over the last 24 hours, and the average sent per hour was 34,000. Yeah, 34,000 per hour. Average transaction value is low at 2.4 BTC. Median transaction value is at 0.024 BTC or right around 140 bucks US. Block time stable at 10 minutes and 4 seconds. 
0.44 BTC is being taken in fees on a per block basis, and 63.5 BTC have been taken in fees over the last 24 hours. Hash rate has increased 2.77% in the last 24 hours, but we are just under 45 exahashes per second. Last BitHub or BitHub, last GitHub commit was done this morning. The 6th of May, left to right, Ethereum's at 168, Bcash is at 290, Litecoin 75, BSV 52, Ethereum Classic at 5.6, Dogecoin at 0.0025. At 31,500 transactions per second, Dogecoin is, it still has the lead on BSV. BSV has has doubled their transaction volume uh, as of late. They're at 20,000 right now. And Bcash is still at 45000 But remember, most of these transactions are occurring uh, from a single address. So, yeah, you just take that however you want to take that. Marty's Bent is for Friday, May the 3rd, 2019, issue number 476. The plumbing has been reinforced. He's quoting a, tw- uh, quoting a tweet of himself that was made uh, quite a bit ago. Um, and he said, anyway, it was me and the wife waking up to $5,200 Bitcoin. And then he's retweeting that and says in the retweet, when I sent this tweet, Cash App wasn't selling BTC, TD Ameritrade wasn't offering BTC contracts, Fidelity wasn't custodying for institutions, E-Trade wasn't in the fray, BITTR wasn't launched. Imagine what this bull run is going to look like. (laughs) Ah, The quoted tweet in the above screenshot was sent October 12, 2017, right as Bitcoin was taking off and the mania of the bull run began a crescendo that wouldn't climax until a couple of months later in the middle of December. We all know what happened since then. The Bitcoin price and the prices of altcoins created in its wake have created anywhere <clears throat> between 80 and 97% of its value. Oh, cratered, not created, sorry. Cratered between 80 and 90% of value. Ridicule from mainstream bloggers and equally unimaginative pundits alike have been flung all over the internet and airwaves as lower prices brought brought their confidence in Bitcoin's inevitable demise. In the midst of the pervasive schadenfreude from the haters, Bitcoiners and the companies smart enough to realize its potential have been extending and reinforcing the plumbing of the on-ramps necessary for allowing large amounts of value to rotate into the network. I vividly remember the chaos during the euphoric phase of December 2017. It felt as if the whole world was trying to buy Bitcoin at the same time and the exchange infrastructure was faltering. People waiting weeks to get their accounts verified, then waiting more weeks for the ACH transfer to hit their accounts and another week for the BTC to hit their account, at which point they could finally withdraw to a personal wallet. Wow. There were periods of hours where exchange apps simply wouldn't work And it was blatantly obvious to me, at least, that the infrastructure was nowhere near ready for the mass adoption everyone loves to yammer on about. As the price of Bitcoin begins to climb out of the depths of the bear market, it's crazy to look back and reflect on where we were the first time prices reached these levels and how much has been built in the 18 months since. Since speculators of any stature, whether they be retail investor looking to stack sats or a large fund looking to stack whole coins, 
have many more better options to choose from when purchasing Bitcoin. Is the plumbing ready for the flood? We shall see. Healthy hash rate is the next one on his list. Hash rate is back on the rise in 2019 as it hit 54 exahashes per second yesterday, up from 32 exahashes per second this time last year and approaching the high of 62 exahashes hit in late August of last year. Uncle Marty senses animal spirits getting restless all over the damn place. Final thought, Dutch stoop waffles are like crack. Enjoy your weekend, freaks. Yeah, I like the stroop waffle, man. Those are those are those are really tasty. All right. Uh, so the song today is David Gilmore, uh, No Way Out of Here. Uh, it was on his 1978 solo album, his first solo album of the same name, just David Gilmore. And for you guys who don't know, David Gilmore is the lead guitarist and singer for Pink Floyd um, before and after the Roger Waters debacle, which if you guys don't know about that one, uh, there is a pre-Pink Floyd with Roger Waters as a singer, songwriter, and then there's post-Roger Waters when uh, basically David Gilmore, the guitarist for the uh, original band, took over basically kind of like took over the reins. And so in 1978, he releases this album. It actually charted pretty good. It was number 29 on Billboard uh, charts. Oh, I never hear this music played ever. You know, it's weird. I've, you know, even before radio started to just completely suck all the time, uh, I, I still never heard this. And this album's been out, you know, for years. So you, like even in the early 80s, uh, when radio was still pretty good, uh, nah, they were, it just, I don't know. So I don't know how it got on the charts because I'd never heard it on any of the radio I was listening to. But uh, this particular song, No Way Out of Here, um, kind of reminds me of Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, these people who are all, oh, and this this idiot Stiglitz or whatever his name, name is, um, how they just can't, they can't see anything new. And if they can't see it, if they can't see anything new, then whatever is there, whatever people are talking about, clearly must be bad. It, it, it must be a terrible, 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 evil, baby-killing kind of thing. And it's that kind of attitude that signals when you should short the legacy system. So get it right There's no way 
Daily Train Wrecked is brought to you by Joseph Stiglitz. It's like they give Nobel Prizes to just anybody now, man. It's, it's, it's weird. So I'm trying to figure out kind of how to present this one. Uh, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to let Joe put his own foot up his ass and we'll, we'll start there. Um, I actually think we should shut down the cryptocurrencies. It would be really, really easy just to to finish the daily train wreck with just that statement. But that's actually not the worst part of the train wreck here. The worst part of the train wreck comes from the actual the sentence that he says before he releases this kind of lunacy. And it's almost as if I'm watching somebody who's finally scared out of their mind. Joseph, out of Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and uh, Charlie Munger, Joseph actually may get what's happening, like understand what's happening underneath the hood, whereas the the other dinosaurs are just clueless monsters roaming around, fumbling everything that they can finally touch. Let's Let's listen to old Joe embarrass himself even further because of this particular statement that, in my opinion, is almost begging, begging for what he sees on the horizon to not happen, begging people to use his legacy system, because if he loses that system, he loses all of his power, all of his influence. It's just, it's kind of sad to listen to. So give it a listen here. We have a very good currency. So far, the currency has been run in a very stable way. There is no need for anybody to go to a cryptocurrency. You know, in our standard courses in economics, we talk about the attributes of a good currency, and the U.S. dollar has all those attributes. The cryptocurrencies do not have those attributes. Um, I actually think we should shut down the cryptocurrencies. Oh, God, Joe. Okay. Now, earlier today... I came across uh, Jack Posobiec uh, tweeted out a um, oh a clip from a film uh, a long time ago uh, talking about how to how to properly how the Communist Party properly leveraged propaganda um, and while many of you will will hear you know, this guy talk, I'm going to play it here in a second. While many of you guys will hear this guy talk and think of other things, this, you know, like political correctness and labeling everybody a Nazi and all that kind of stuff. The exact same thing is happening here with Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, uh, Joe and, and Bill Gates, because they, you know, if, if you get into that whole, the whole clip of Joe talking, he talks about, uh, how it's like, you know, we, illicit activity comes up several times. And, you know, Warren Buffett said the same thing in, you know, on several occasions that it's about, it's illegal and, and it's being used for illegal stuff and it's dark, you know, it's, they keep using dark nets and dark market and, and assassination markets. And every time these guys talk about it, they're leveraging exactly what you're about to hear. 
1943, the following directive was issued from party headquarters to all communists in the United States. It read, When certain obstructionists become too irritating, label them, after suitable build-ups, as fascist or Nazi or anti-Semitic, and use the prestige of anti-fascist and tolerance organizations to discredit them. In the public mind, constantly associate those who oppose us with those names which already have a bad smell. The association will, after enough repetition, become fact in the public mind. And I am so proud that we obstructionists have become so irritating that people, they're dragging Nobel laureates out in front of everybody to point fingers at us and tell, try to propagandize that Bitcoin is, or is, is any kind of cryptocurrency is inherently used for nefarious purposes. And as we know, it's just such a huge load of bullshit. I really wish these guys would get a little bit more creative, at least be, you know, at least show us that you care enough by being creative instead of pulling out all the old 1940s and 1950s propaganda manuals because that's the last thing you remember from college. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you again by Bad Joke Cat at Bad Joke Cat on Twitter. What do you call it when Batman skips church? Christian Bale. <laughs> Seriously bad joke. people i'm out um i don't know it's boring i mean what can i say it's like you know i'm, I'm this show's going to be under well under an hour today because there's just there's not a whole lot going on it's kind of boring so i you know there's no reason to make make it you know a show any longer than it needs to be just because i'm trying to target an hour or something like that that's just dumb um if you if you get too bored, just go outside. I think I'm going to go get a lawnmower today and mow the, mow the lawn, which I think people are starting to point, point and laugh. And I'm like going, no, man, you know, it's like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave y'all with this. Okay. In, in the spring, I like to let my grass get as high as I possibly can before I start getting tickets from the city. Right. Cause they will, they'll, they'll, they'll ticket my ass, you know, or they'll, well, at least they'll give me a warning. And if, if I, and I got like 12 days to, to do the, do the deed. And then they give me a ticket. Like, actually it's not a ticket. They send me a bill for their contractor who will, without my permission, come and cut my front yard and, and my, my alley. And so no need for that, but there's a good reason that I do this in the spring. When this grass starts coming up, you've got this one chance for whatever grasses and stuff in your in your yard to develop a really hardy root system that can get as deep as it can get because the deeper those roots go the more access to stored water in the land you have and in like we're you know the panhandle of texas we get rainstorms but we also get a lot of drought right so if 
you can let your grass grow and not mow it, you know, mow it off like a, a flat top, you know, your, your earliest opportunity, those roots will get way down deep. And then when you mow it, mow it high. Now here, here's what happens is that I had rye grass up to probably past my knee and I'm about six, I'm about five eleven somewhere around there. And so the, the tassels with his little seed heads on rye grass was up above my knees. I didn't water once and we didn't get any rain. Conversely across the street, my neighbor's watering his grass all the time and grass looks like shit right now. My grass doesn't look good. There's some new house, new lawn. I got to do a lot of work with it. But that said, um, it is, I I don't have to water my lawn, or at least I haven't had to water it yet. And the reason is, is because I left it so long, it condensed water vapor out of the atmosphere and that soaked the ground and it did it every morning. I mean, I was putting gallons and hundreds of gallons of water on my property and I wasn't watering it. Yeah. If you can work, figure out how to work with nature and understand the physics that mother nature works with, i.e., long grasses that condense water and direct it to the ground, then all of a sudden you start figuring out real quick. It's like, oh, well, uh, I didn't really have to water all that much. And you don't really have to water all that much in the spring because there's a lot of pent up moisture, even in drought times. There's a lot of pent up moisture in the atmosphere. If it and those temperatures in the morning get cool enough, man, it's going to condense a whole bunch of water and it's distilled water. It's that I mean, it's clean, pure, crisp, beautiful water goes right into the soil. Then after you mow it, when you mow the grass, don't mow it short. Set your set your lawnmower at the tallest setting you can get it and mow that. Okay. And what that does is that that will help shade the ground, which will keep moisture from evaporating and give you enough length that even in the middle of the summer, there you'll still be able to capture conden, uh, condensate out of the atmosphere. Although n- clearly not as much as you could if it was like, you know, grasses were waist high. So anyway, that, you know, that'll, that'll do it for like a little bit of lawn care maintenance, kind of 101. And I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.